Hey, welcome back to Arrow Women. We are so excited to have you. I'm joined with my beautiful co-host, Shadero and Ogeshi. Say hey, ladies. Hey. <laughs> Hi, guys. Or y'all. Say hey, y'all. You know, like Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. There you go. See, that sounded so cute. I love <laughs> it. From South Carolina, y'all. Um, you know, <laughs> Southern girl representing <laughs> and with the Nigerian girls. I love it. <laughs> Um, we are so excited. I, at least I am very excited because we are covering, uh, I just feel like we're covering a really special woman today. Like that opens up everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so today the woman that we we're talking about is Eve, the mother of the living. I want to hear y'all's first thoughts when we talk about, say the word Eve, or what's your first thoughts that come to mind when you think of Eve? Okay. you want to go ahead? I'll let you do the honors. Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You got this. I feel like Eve is intimidating because she's like the first woman, the first, like the mother, you said the mother of all living things. She's the first woman in the book of Genesis, you know, the first mention of woman. And from her, we get all things that we know to be womanhood. And every other woman that comes after her, it's like, a descendant of Eve. So she's super important. And I don't know, I think waiting this long, we've covered so many amazing women of the Bible, like waiting this long to do Eve um, didn't seem typical, but I feel like it was right because we see just the manifestation of like all the different women characters that have come from essentially what she was, right? Like what happened at first in the garden. And it's so interesting because we see that marriage or I guess the union of man man and woman is something that God set up in the very beginning. It's not a man-made institution. Like marriage is not something we invented later on. It's right here in the Bible on the very first days. Um, So I found that interesting. And also that in the very beginning, let's start like Genesis chapter, I think it's chapter two. Let me just pull it up here. Okay. So in Genesis chapter two, the Lord has made man and um, he places the man in the garden to tend and to watch over it. So man, which is Adam, already has this responsibility. But then the Lord God says it's not good. This first time he said it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper. That's verse 18. So the Lord God brings all these animals to Adam and says, name them, you know, see if any of these are a suitable helper and none of them are. So he has to go back, put Adam to sleep and create woman. So I think it's very interesting that there were other creatures on earth, but none of them were suitable help for man. Woman was created very specifically for the purpose of helping man. And that's kind of where I start with this. I mean, we can get into like everything that comes after that. But for me, what really sticks out is like women were created with a purpose. Like the first woman, Eve, Mm -hmm. was created to do something. She's supposed to help man. And that can translate into so many different things today because we look at the skill sets and, you know, the wisdom of women and it is a help for the world. It is, we are meant to be helpful to the world. Um, But there's a structure that God puts in place. And that's the concept of dominion that you mentioned, Lindsay. Yeah. 
That's good. I also like to, like, my Bible gives like a little commentary in the ESV study Bible. And what it says is helper. God brings to him all the livestock, birds, and the beasts. But the word helper here is the Hebrew word aziar, which is one who supplies strength in that area that is lacking in the helped. That's good. Right? So the one who supplies strength in the area that is lacking. That's why he was created. Yeah. Right? So that's what really just sticks out to me that, yes, we are called to be a helper. Like, we were created with a purpose, women. Women were created for a purpose. And I'm going to be very clear. The Bible says there is man and there is woman. And a woman was created from man to be a helper, which means that she was there to supply strength in the area that was lacking. Yeah. But to me, that just really has been sticking out, right? I think it's important to note that there was something that was lacking. So right. woman was created to be a solve to something, right? Like we were right. supposed to fit, I guess, this puzzle piece that God had figured, you know, Adam was not fully complete. He needed something on the outside of him. Another entity that is similar to him, but with a very specific, like, complementary purposes and that's why he created woman and that in itself holds so much power because then you know that if anything or anyone which we later see the serpent does tries to come against your intended purpose your intended Mm. your inherent identity what god designed you to do then you know it's a lie you know if if it calls into question your ability your presence to be here and help then you know it's a lie that's good that's yeah that's i found so much power in just that little introduction to eve like how she came into the world it wasn't because god was like oh you know let me just create woman no there was a purpose attached to it it was to complement the other person like it was to bring strength to that other party yeah so good and it also gives women the title of encourager right bringing strength come on that's an encourager right all have it in us which is cool Sorry, I'll shut up. Ogechi, what do you have to say? Your turn. (laughs) No, y'all keep talking. It's good stuff. Um, I mean, that's the thing, right? When we're talking about chapter two in Genesis, we have to go back to chapter one of Genesis um, and go back to God creating man, but the man there is not Adam alone. Um, We know from just scripture, the chapter one, when God created man, it wasn't necessarily the male it was both male and female. And then chapter two of Genesis talks about then, you know, Bible goes into detail of how both sexes or both genders were created. Right. Um, and, and, and there is the specific assignment. So the purpose was already given, you know, that's, mm-hmm. I just think about the purpose being given, go and take dominion over creature um and then in chapter two i feel like is the assignment that is tied to the purpose so each of us has a you know like how a lot of people talk about well i don't know what my purpose in life is yes you do right (laughs) the purpose is one um the purpose has not changed since the beginning of time um the purpose can be looked at differently in the new testament because jesus says go into all the world and preach the good news which is still taking dominion which is reclaiming territory 
Come right? on. It's not so much go and have birth and fill the earth. But yes, we are filling the earth with people who are truly um, representing Christ likeness, if we mm. want to put it that way. Um, but the assignment, like how each of us accomplishes that is different. And so for Eve, her assignment or what we both were referring to, I think, as purpose is your, my assignment as a woman, my assignment as Eve is to be that suitable helper, to be that companion, to be that encourager, because God has given Adam his own assignment and his own thing to tend the garden. Yeah, um, right. If we know that God didn't tell Eve to go tend the garden. <laughs> right. <laughs> we ain't supposed to work, y'all. And there's there's a whole there's a whole sermon behind that and like that whole scripture, but it's very clear. And you know, there's the feminist movement these days that wants to usurp all of that, and it's it's very demonic. I'm not saying being a feminist is, I guess, the truth. I don't know. It's a whole another story, but <laughs> right. a whole another conversation. But I think we have to be careful when we are. Um, tackling that subject right yeah mm-hmm. um, to not go against what god's original plan is because it always goes back to the original right but uh, like share like you i mean i think just the first thing first and foremost when we read about eve it's the fact that she was created for a reason mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that she was an afterthought she was not <laughs> yeah very strategic in fact it was very strategic and so there's a lot that we can learn from that, you know, if we want to make it more practical and bring it to today and to women today, each of us, whether regardless of, of how we came into the world, um, there's something that we're here to fulfill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's understanding it, it's recognizing it, it's accepting it, and we'll see it later in the chapter how Eve lost sight of what she was called to do. Yeah, that's good. She started focusing on other things <laughs> that she had no business focusing on, um, with the help of the enemy, of course, with the help of Satan. Right. So, and you see what falls with it is that shame and that guilt that she has to hide herself behind too. Ooh. I think is important. Yeah. Can I just point out now that you mentioned shame? Um, if you're in Genesis chapter two, as Eve has just been created. And the man exclaims, this one is bone for my bone. This is verse 23. And flesh for my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse 24 says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Like we said earlier, the the establishment of marriage was a God institution, not a human institution. Um, But then the next verse is very interesting. Verse 25 says, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Mm-hmm. Yep. So God created us in a state of no shame. Right. That's good. I feel like I hit that. I have it like circled and underlined in my Bible. Yeah. Um, one, because I felt like that was something the Lord was speaking to a couple of years, like a year or so ago. I felt like that cape coming up is that there was no shame. <laughs> right. And today, if we're honest, like if you fast forward to the fall, because that's what we're talking about is where after the fall where Eve is deceived in the garden and she listens to the lies of the serpent, she eats what they were not supposed to eat out of the garden, right? And then they run and hide because they actually realize that they're naked at that point. So um, just one of the things that really stuck out to me in these, just like 
that one chapter, like between two and three, like I, if I'm walking in the spirit, if I'm walking in what I have been called to with the father, like this intimacy and this communion with him, right? Mm -hmm. There is no shame from him. (laughs) There's no shame put on from him to me, right? It's, it's me putting on my shame and hiding behind it. Right. I just think that there's so many shame coverings that we can stand behind and hide behind, um, whether, whatever it is, you know, we all have our own, but we hide behind it and we're like, oh, well, God sees me that way. No, they, they thought that God was going to be ashamed of them, even when he came looking for them guys, but God didn't, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what you've done. Right. I, I, I see like, I still see a loving father after they screwed up. I still see the loving father so fig leaves or the clothes that he used to cover them in. And to me, that's just him renouncing the shame that they came into. Um, and there's yep. just something that just keeps, I don't know, that, that's something that has always just spoken to me, especially in the last year is that the father never sees shame the way he sees us. Mm-hmm. He's not ashamed of us. He's never been ashamed of us. Something interesting about the dynamic between Adam and Eve. And this really stuck out to me reading it this time, that God told Adam not to eat of the fruit before Eve was even there. Did you guys notice that? Oh, yeah. He was yes. So then, like, <laughs> how did it go from... Adam getting the instruction before Eve is even alive, even a thing to somehow her interpretation of what God said, not being correct. So it's either he added an extra something to scare. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow um, the instruction did not did not get across um, word for word verbatim. Um, someone either added something or either he did or she did. Something is not right. And what we're talking about is in chapter three of Genesis when the serpent actually goes to Eve. And we all know the story. Like, you know, she eats the fruit after he convinces her that you won't die. But what's interesting there is that we learned in chapter two that Eve wasn't even around until that point. And before then God had told Adam not to eat of the tree. So he had to tell his wife. Right. So let me read it. So or for those, you know, who yeah. don't know, so Genesis two sixteen says, and the Lord God commanded the man and I'm reading the ESV version. He may, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then in chapter three, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she added the shall not touch, falsifying um, the word, the word that God said. Here you see, like, he really did have a responsibility to tell his wife what God said, right? Because she wasn't there, but he doesn't do it or something happens where she gets it wrong and yes she is also to blame for actually going through with it actually Eve's sin is is pretty bad when we like look at what she actually did but I think it's interesting how 
there's something lost in translation in the relationship between the man and his wife. And that lack of communication or that like miscommunication is like, it's a detriment yeah. to them. You know, their relationship with God, it, it messes up everything. So I'm not married, right. but I'm just wondering if that has something to do with it. Lindsay, maybe you can speak to that. Oh, thanks. Just kidding. <laughs> Throw me in the bus. I see how it is. Um, oh, I don't know. I've actually, just, I've actually never noticed that before. So I'm just sitting here learning I'm, uh, and listening at the same time. Um, but I mean, gosh. I mean, what is the, I feel like that's one of the biggest things in marriage is miscommunication a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it's like a learning but see, the beautiful thing is, like, you have this perfect example of communion with the Father right? in Genesis 2. And that's what we're, like, that's what it's supposed to look like, right? So, like, if marriage is the example of us walking with Christ, it should have looked different. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're being called to, is, like, I'm not going to have perfect communication with my husband. Let's be 100% honest. Um I don't think any of us ever will have a hundred percent communication. Like that's that flesh dying. And that's like just that pruning and that growing and learning from each other. Right. Um, and I hope one day, like when we're like 99 years old or a hundred plus years old together, sitting in our little walking chairs, cause that's what I'm going to declare, uh, <laughs> that our communication will have greatly and vastly improved in those years. But I do find that's very interesting. Like, yeah. huh, that makes, that's just very I, I'm still like just very interested you know, in that. I bet there's something to it. I don't know for sure, but I I bet that there's something important about the fact that somehow what she heard was not what God said. And the person in between that is her husband, right? Because he's the one that got the direction. But then somehow, maybe it speaks to what you're saying, Lindsay, about like, God is still needing to be in the relationship between a man and his wife because right. her disconnect from God as well may have been what led to her misunderstanding. Because if she was close to God, if she was in communion with God, would she have been convinced by the serpent? Mm. You know? Good questions. Yeah. Good question. I think, you know, just, looking at the situation i don't think we'll ever when we get to heaven we can ask them we can ask <laughs> be there but um what stands out to me in addition to just why and how did she twist this or embellish just even a little bit um was she trying you know how we say certain things just to reinforce a point like i'm not supposed to touch it like go the extreme just so that the the point gets across to the person but then um i think for me where adam i fault adam is that he may have communicated the right thing he may have actually said god said don't eat of it and left it um but where i fault him and this is not a male bashing anything but really an encouragement is that he should have known better than to take it from her Mm. and i think that's where he gets the uh, harsher penalty because he should have known better. Yeah, she said something else, but he did not have to take that fruit from her. 
he could have corrected her. He could have either stopped her or said, hey, honey, don't do that. You know, let's step away from the serpent that's talking, that's standing upright and talking. Um, right, because he was on the feet. Let's yeah. remember that because people don't always think that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's on his feet. But and I- he's talking. Can we just be honest really quick? Like, was- the snake is talking. <laughs> You know, so it's, he has, he had a responsibility to, to not follow through because he was the one who, one, got the instruction, but he was also created to be in that leadership and headship position. Um, And that just makes me think, women, whatever power we have over men, we have to be careful (laughs) when we are influencing them or when we're asking them to do something that that causes them to step away from what God has called them to or from the instruction that they've received. Um, but yeah, right. I don't know that we'll ever know how she, why she decided to say exactly those words, but we know that it led to one, her seeing that the fruit was good, her desiring something, her now wanting to act in rebellion because she wants to to be god or be like god that's good i want to get back to dominion like go ahead i feel like shadari you brought it up they were given dominion over the land um and i feel like that too plays a significant like role in where we're at right now right i think for me it starts with the punishment right the fall and even though god is so merciful and so gracious to adam and eve that he cushions their fall right he makes sure right. they're, they're fine once they do fall but the the punishment actually fits the crime i think because we like you just mentioned or get you talking about how adam had this responsibility to not follow through i think you know the bigger punishment both Adam and Eve, it says that the woman was convinced um, in, I think it's chapter three, verse six. Yeah, it starts by saying the woman was convinced. And in the same way, Adam was convinced enough to take a bite of the fruit. And by being convinced, I think that's, therein lies the crime, right? And, and what that what that was or what that is, is believing that they don't need God or believing that what God has said is not true or believing that you can act separate of God. In essence, like Eve didn't see that God was good and what she had, what he had given them was good. And I think that that's the same mistake we make today. Like that's the same thing we do. We don't see that what God has given us is good and what he's given us is dominion right and that is so powerful because he's essentially saying here's this life it's yours for the taking what you want to do god god is is for that he he wants you to succeed he wants you to thrive and all that good stuff but dominion is is like for the taking means that you have to you have to take hold of what is out there that is yours right like yeah you have to like you have to be willing to partner with god to take over what he's apportioned for you and in essence they're saying no to this that's the crime 
they're saying not only do we not need God, right? He's given us good things. We're saying that these good things are not good enough for us. And that's really what they did by by taking the fruit because he said, like, this is the one thing I'm asking. This is the one boundary I'm creating. Right. And they saw that as bondage rather than freedom. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what we do with dominion. We think dominion is freedom in the purest sense of the word, do what you want. You know, I can live the way I want. I can have what I want. But dominion is, there are boundaries attached to it. God has apportioned what's for you to be for you. And you have to partner with him and say, you know, his wisdom is is ultimate. I don't need to know more than what God has for me because I know that he has what's best for me. Like that's that's what dominion is all about. It's about like, the best for you. Um, so I just read it that way. I read it as like, okay, they really just said no to God. And that was a big deal because not only did he create perfection for them, I mean, he created the whole earth for us, like for man and woman to take over and have dominion. And we just kind of say no. Before creation, right? The enemy had already been kicked out of heaven. I see. I think it's Ezekiel talks about heaven be, or Satan being the fall of Satan and being kicked out. So he had to be somewhere, right? Um, to me, I see that man and woman, like all of this creation happened because I see that the father wanted children in his likeness. Notice that we are the only creature mm-hmm. that is created in the image of God. We see that very clearly written in Genesis 2. It says... Um, which verse is it? Uh, let's create man in our own image. Actually, I think it's verse one. Excuse me, chapter one. So it's chapter one, verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. To me, this is also super important when we cover Eve, is that we were created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Right? So that means I carry, as a female, I carry the characteristics of my father, of God, who created me, right? Um, yeah. And so I feel like that's just super important. Like we always, I don't know, one of the things you've just been showing me is like, you didn't get that mother bear instincts from yourself. Like that's like, he talks about in Jeru- like Jerusalem, how they're like hens and how he just wants to be a mother hen and tuck him under his wings, like a broad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see him. Like we often think of God as just this male characteristic because he's strong and you see all these masculine qualities of him. But you also see the Bible describe like feminine qualities of him. Like because mm-hmm. Eve is also made in his image, which means that every female after that was also made in his image. And I feel like that's very important too. Um, because we're all his like daughters, we are daughters, daughters of God, children of the King created in his image to have dominion over the earth. And I honestly, I, there's this beauty I think with it is that we were created in his image because we were, as Genesis says, we were called to be fruitful and multiply, but subdue it and have dominion over the creatures and the things that move on the earth. To me, that's me. I don't know. I just see it as the Lord created us to take back what was his. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if we actually believe 
that we have been sent for the purpose of taking back what belongs to our dad. Like there's something that stirs up differently than me, not knowing my purpose. There's something that stirs up and be like, oh, well, if I was created to have dominion, be fruitful. So like, as Okishi was saying, it's making disciples, right? It's spreading the good news, but it's also claiming the land by multiplying disciples that know how to also claim back the land for our dad. Because one person obviously can't do it alone. Right. Um, I don't know. So there's something very important about Eve actually understanding her, her dominion there. And it is a crime because she completely... I mean, it says shortly thereafter, after she basically goes and hides after eating the fruit, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of God. So this tells me, I don't know, this verse just really has been speaking to me the last couple of years, is that they they knew the voice of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. They knew his voice. They walked with him in the garden. So the fact that they're actually able to be deceived, like there's something in that guys. There's something, I don't know, like they knew his voice. They knew his voice, but yet they were still deceived. Yeah. And that's huge. That's, that's part of the crime. Right. Um, But I think that ultimately like going forward, like we're being called back to Eden. Like, the Lord is restoring stuff. Like he's calling us back to Eden, so to speak, like before the fall, I feel like there's just a strong pull, like where he's calling for just like this holiness that what Eve was walking in before she decided, like to me, it was mind games, y'all, to be honest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was mind games. Like what is the number one enemy of yourself? It's your mind. Yeah. Um, And honestly, I truly believe that, it was her mind that deceived her and that opened up the door for the enemy to step in. So I want to draw attention to one verse. Now that you mentioned that, um, in chapter three, verse 11, this is after they've eaten the fruit and sown the fig leaves to cover their nakedness. And then God goes, you know, walking through looking for them. And when he finally asks, where are they? Uh, Adam says, I heard you walking, verse 10, in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God says, who told you that you were naked? And I love that. I want to stop right there because right. what we see here is God is not saying in response to what happened, like, oh, what happened to you guys? Like, he already knows where they are. He already knows <laughs> yeah. what they're doing. His first question is, who told you? Like, who, what voice are you listening to that is mm. not mine? And that is so crucial for us to hear. Like, who told you that you were to carry shame? Who told you, like, what voice are you listening to that is not the voice of God that convinces you to do things like eat the fruit, convinces you to turn your back on God? You have to be so mindful, like we said earlier, like, you have to be mindful of your relationship with God because what you see in the garden as he's calling us back to Eden, he's calling us back to communion with him. Yeah. He's calling us back to that, like walking with God, like Adam and Eve walked with God. They heard his voice. He walked with them. He, he moved through the garden. 
freely. He's calling us back to that relationship with him. So when he's able to ask them, who told you that you were naked? He's not asking about their clothing or why they ran or what happened. He's asking, what voice are you letting influence your decision making that is not mine? Mm. That's good. Yeah. I think that's so important for us to like take away from Eve's story because yes, she ate the fruit. Yes, there are consequences. And we can talk about the punishment in a second. Like, you know, we can get into all that. But the important thing is God is concerned. He's more concerned with who you're told you. Yeah. And you that know, doesn't change. No, it doesn't. And I, I like that you bring that up. It, like you said, God's calling us into communion and into fellowship, into intimacy. That's that's a word that's kind of been ringing in my ear for a while now, intimacy, abiding with God. And it's recognizing that we will have things that will want to pull us away from that um, because there is... When, you're, when you find yourself in a position of close intimacy, you become a threat um, enemy. to the yeah. enemy. And so the enemy will do just about everything that he can and will do. And one of the first places he gets to us is our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear, or, or our ears, what we hear, how we internalize things. Um, and I remember just kind of like reading through the section and just thinking about the helmet of salvation and like just putting on our armor, the armor of the Lord. It's not ours. It's come on. Put on. Yeah. Uh, and one of the first things is put on your helmet, right? It's right. Putting on that helmet of salvation where we are debunking the lies. We are um, not allowing, you know, the lies and, and the doubt and all of that to get through and so if they had been prepared, and that's the thing, like we have to stand guard. We always have to be ready at all times. If they were on guard, if they had not let themselves get too comfortable and too familiar, entertaining what they shouldn't have been entertaining, if they had just focused on the Lord and the word, and Shadari, you said this, like what God said, focusing on the goodness of God and letting mm-hmm. that be enough sufficient for them they wouldn't have had time to take in what satan was saying um and so i think just as you were talking i'm reminded that when we want to walk in intimacy regardless of what stage we're in in our walk with god um as long as we're pursuing and desiring more of him there will always be something that will want to get in the middle of that mm-hmm. and we just have to always be ready so we're not where adam and eve find themselves where they say oh we're naked who told you you were naked mm-hmm. how did you let that lie in who told you that you're not enough who told you that you're um not capable who told you that you're not worthy who told you that i don't see you as that right I i didn't tell you that that was not language that came from me that's language that came from somewhere and where'd you pick that up from um so we always have to be on guard Mm-hmm. and we have to do it in community yeah because i wonder sorry just to go back to this but i wonder if and again there's no 
theologians and Bible scholars have asked this question and there's the debate of was Adam really there? Was he away somewhere? Um, but I wonder what would happen if they had truly stood up together. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it the Bible says that a, a, a double-stranded cord cannot be broken or something like that? Right, but a triple. A triple, you know. Um, God, Adam, and Eve. Yeah. Right. That's, that's good. Back to Eden. That's like. Communion. That's it. Yeah, that's good. 